as we were singing, Jesus is the light in the darkness, that is really what this message is about. It's about the Beatitudes, about how Jesus talks about the lowly and the lost and the persecuted and the peacemakers and the mourning and about how in those places where we feel lost and low and it's dark and and dismal, how there is blessing in that place how there is blessing in that place. And I'm concluding our series on the Beatitudes. And so the worship and the tone of the service and the prayer for the world and the red chair is all about how messed up our world is, but how Jesus meets us in the mess and how Jesus wants to bring blessing to us as we are broken vessels. Many of us, I include myself in that, but how Jesus wants to bring us blessing And so that's what the the Sermon on the Mount is about. Jesus is teaching his disciples and his followers, people that have crowded to him because they are are broken and lost. They're people who have need in their life. And there's this charismatic teacher, this rabbi, who is speaking about a kingdom that is completely different to the kingdom that they are living in and that we are living in. And Jesus speaks these profound words And somebody has described them, I was reading as I was studying this week, as a punch in the gut. Because they're so profound and so challenging and so upside down. The upside down kingdom is what it has been called. Because it doesn't really make any sense that you can be blessed when you're mourning. You can be blessed when you're persecuted. You can be blessed when you're a peacemaker and being criticised. That you can be blessed when you're poor in spirit and lowly. But it's true. Jesus says, in those places, there is a blessing. So let's read the words before I preach of the passage that I haven't read yet. So let's read the passage because it's so good. Thank you so much. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And my conclusion to our series is I'm talking about the peacemakers and the persecuted So here we go. (laughs) Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When I first moved to Bristol 15 years ago, I pitched up at the brand new primary school that my kids were going to. There's me, I didn't know know a soul in the school. And with my kids, they didn't know anyone either. And it just felt really horrible not to know a soul. You're walking into this massive primary school, everyone seems to know everybody else. And I thought, I'm going to look for a person of peace. Now, when missionaries go to a new country or a new city, they often look for people of peace. A person of peace is somebody that can be a mediator, a go-between, someone that can stand in the gap between you and the place that you're trying to reach or you're trying to kind of connect with. 
And so I thought, I'm going to look for a person of peace in this primary school setting. So I looked around and I clocked this woman who just looked great. She was smiling. She was chatting to lots of people. She was talking to teachers. She had her own kids. And I thought, she's a woman who is well-connected and probably knows the answer to some of my questions. So I went up to her and introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Rachel. I don't know anybody here. I'm a new girl or a new mum. And these are, my, these are my kids. And uh, we don't know anyone. Can you help? And she was like, yes, of course I can. What do, you, what do you want to know? And Rosie became my friend. She was a person of peace. And Jesus was the ultimate person of peace. He was sent by God, his Father, from heaven to come to a world to bridge the gap between a world that had gone away from God to a God who loved the world so much that he sent his only son. And Jesus was the person of peace, the ultimate person of peace, the ultimate example, the ultimate kind of like real life um, yeah, example of that, where he took himself to the point of dying on a cross to bridge the gap between God and us. And he is the one that is calling us to be a people of peace. But do you know what? Being a person of peace is often, very often, misunderstood. It's a place of criticism. It's a place of discomfort. It's a place of rebuke. And it can be a place where you, where you receive kind of stuff that is difficult from both sides. Because a person of peace stands in the middle. A person of peace is the one that steps into a space where you don't side with either situation or either person. A person of peace is someone that loves both sides. Can see and hear and listen to both sides of the story. But can hold space for both. But it's a hard space to be in because naturally, as humans, we want to side with somebody. It's much easier to be on someone's side than it is to be in the middle. So much easier. Especially if you think one of the sides is right and one of the sides is wrong. You naturally want to lean towards one side or the other. And we see that. We see that. I mean, most of the wars in the, in the world currently, you know, there's two sides thrashing it out, believing that they're right convinced that their position is the correct position and we see it on the world scale we see it on the on the little scale with our relationships and in our workplaces and in our families and in our marriages and in the situations and the circumstances that we are in all of the time but here Jesus is calling us to hold the middle ground to be the person who can bring and mediate two sides together to be the person that can love both sides, that can love above and beyond what is natural and what is human and what seems possible for us to do. Because this is life in the spirit. This is kingdom life. This is not something we can do in our own strengths. This is only a life that we can do in God's strength. I have a friend called Krish who um, is a brilliant brilliant man and amazing uh, Christian I've, we've known him for years since he was a teenager and he is he's worked tirelessly to look after and care for vulnerable children it's been his um, life's work currently and uh, he got an OBE in recognition of his his work last year and uh, I follow him on social media and it, recently he's been trying to help vulnerable children trapped in Gaza it is, it is, he's living and breathing and trying to build connections with anyone that can help him support vulnerable children held in Gaza. 
and he, because he's a Christian, he, he put the stuff out so people know he's a Christian. And he, um, I was watching the interactions and the, the criticism and the comments that were coming because he had put out that he wants to make connections. Can anyone help me with this? Can anyone brainstorm? Can anyone, has anyone got any connections that I can make with somebody that can, you know, we can work towards this of, of releasing vulnerable children in Gaza? And the vitriol and the abuse and the comments that came at him because he was just trying to stand in the gap was absolutely shocking and horrible. And some of it was from Christians. And you're like, what is going on here? And you know what is going on is it's so normal, isn't it? It's so human. We choose a side. We get entrenched in our position. And we can't hear anything else. And he had to say, of course I care about the children of Israel. Of course I care about the hostages that have been taken to Gaza from Israel. Of course I care about those that were killed. Of course I care. But they couldn't hear that because all they heard was something else. And we are called to be the people that stand in the, in the gap. We are called to be the mediators. We are called to be the people of peace. Are you standing in the gap right now? Maybe you're in that position. It's often uncomfortable because the person on the left wants you to side with them and the person on the right wants you to side with them. But we are called to be people who show mercy and love to both sides. Who show mercy and forgiveness to both sides. Who love both sides. And are filled with the Spirit in order to sort of show the the grace of God to both sides. And if that's you this morning, if you feel like you're standing in the gap, if you feel like God is asking you to stand in the gap, If you feel like you're in the gap and you don't want to be in the gap, maybe God has put you in the gap for that reason, to be the peacemaker in that situation. We'd love to pray for you in a a moment. The second thing that Jesus addresses is the persecuted, the persecuted church, those that are persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And there was a little slide that just illustrates that. The persecuted church. What is the persecuted church? This is what Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Really, Jesus? Really? Because great is your reward in heaven. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, Jesus himself, our follow, the person we follow and love, was persecuted for his faith, for his teaching. We follow a man who was crucified. And in some ways, when you think about that, you think, yeah, it makes sense that Jesus is saying persecution is part of the deal to be a Christian. Persecution is part of it. We don't talk about it much. Understandably, because it's hard and heavy and we don't want to suffer for our faith. But the reality is, all through history, starting at Jesus, all the way through to the current day, Christians are persecuted in lots of ways for their faith. Here are some stats from Open Doors, which is an amazing organisation. There are others too, but Open Doors is one that um, I personally support, that supports Christians who are persecuted around the world. Their stats are 360 million Christians 
suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. 360 million. One in seven Christians are persecuted worldwide. One in five in Africa, two in five in Asia. Last year, 5,621 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons last year. That's 5,500 people were killed because of their faith in Jesus, because they aligned themselves with Jesus, because they followed Jesus, because they've gone against the flow of the culture, the society, the religion of those around them, and have stood up for Jesus. Some of the most dangerous places to be a Christian are North Korea, Somalia, Yemen, Eritrea, and Libya. And there are people in our own city who have decided to follow Jesus, and in our own community in this church, who have decided to follow Jesus and and are struggling and suffering because of that. In our own community, people who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus, for their love for Jesus. It's not kind of, we don't go around publicizing that, because that is only going to make it worse. But there are people amongst us who this is the reality, this is real for them. Suffering has always been part of the normal Christian walk of following Jesus. But the tension is there that it's held with blessing as well. Jesus meets us in our suffering. Jesus meets us in the difficult bits, in the hard bits, in the low bits, in the being ostracized and rebuked and reviled. He meets us in those places. And what I really wanted to do to illustrate this was I wanted to interview some people who are feet on the ground and know what it's like. But because this service is live streamed and it's on YouTube, it's just not possible to do that or safe for them and the people that they minister and serve and are friends with. So to get around that, I I kind of did a little interview with them just me and them, and I'm going to just read some of their answers. I hope that's okay. It's a little bit different from a, for a sermon, but what they say is so revealing and so helpful for us as the Western church, as the sort of comfy church, if we're honest. No one's going to rebuke us probably for coming to church. We might get a bit of criticism, misunderstanding, but we're not going to be put in prison or get sacked from our job, hopefully, for being here. So my question to these two people who who personally know Christians who are suffering for following Jesus in this country and overseas, I ask them this question. In your work and friendship with persecuted believers, how do you see these verses, blessed are the persecuted, being played out? Friend number one, we visited a believer we have known for two years last month in the country that they are in. When he became a Christian, In this very persecuted nation, he was thrown out of his home and disowned by his family, who he was very close to and loves. But he has the most amazing, beautiful faith and is growing in his discipleship, reaching out to others and praying for his own nation. When we saw him recently, he was commenting again on how we are his family or his global family. He's lost his personal family, but he's gained a global family. And he feels like family to us, she says. And wonderfully, he is now in contact with some of his family members, and the Lord is definitely at work in his situation. He has always been so gracious with his family and a true peacemaker, standing in the gap in that sense. Amy said, 
We have a set of studies that we use to lead new believers, people who have got to know Jesus in their faith. The basics of this, we cover things like how to pray and the Bible and how to share your faith and what is baptism? Why is it important to get baptised? But we've had a revelation and realised that alongside these, we had to include a study on persecution. Because in all likelihood, this is in their future if they decide to follow Jesus. We don't seek out persecution and we definitely don't want it for them, but we expect it and we need to prepare them for it. To set before them the image of those who have gone before them on this journey, to see how the apostles who, after they were imprisoned and beaten in prison, rejoiced, this is what it says in Acts 15, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer. And we want to prepare them for that. And my next question was, how can being persecuted also be a place of blessing? You know, in, in the Western church, we, it's so hard for us to understand how being persecuted can also be a place where God will bless us. But in all these beatitudes and all these blessings, that's what Jesus is saying. You are going to mourn, but you will be blessed. And it's like a tension that we have to manage. And I'm like, how? What, what does it look like for these guys? And my friend says, they are blessed now because even when they suffer pain physically or emotionally for their faith, imprisonment, or separated from loved ones, whatever it might be, the Lord is with them. And he will bring blessing on earth at some point for them, whether that's through miracles or deepening of of their faith, or whether that is ultimately in heaven. I have heard countless stories of people who have experienced awful persecution, but have actually visibly seen the Lord during those times in ways they hadn't before. Where Jesus has kind of presenced himself visibly before them. And Amy said, only someone who sees Jesus looking them straight in the eye with eyes full of love and hearing him say, blessed are you, can even begin to understand this verse. I can't persuade anyone of this truth. This comes straight from the Holy Spirit, but I've seen it throughout history and from around the world and, in, and with those I've walked alongside there is fullness of future blessing and now blessing that comes to them as they suffer for Jesus. It's challenging, isn't it? It's sobering. I get worked up, you know, when my car won't start or something silly happens to me. You know, it's very normal and human. And even, even this, I sense that in the room, they're just like, oh gosh, this is heavy stuff. And let's not shy away from it. Let's kind of be okay to sit in it a bit. Because it is hard. Being a Christian is hard. I know some of you, I know some of your circumstances, I know some of your situations, I know some of you have been persecuted for your faith in this room. I know some of you are struggling and are mourning. I know some of you are in much in really difficult situations where you're being called to be a peacemaker and it's hard and it's painful. But I say to you as well, there's going to be blessing in this. And one of the blessings is that you are with it in, in this place with Jesus and he is the prize. He is the prize. He is not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to walk away from you. He's going to pour his spirit into your life as you draw on him and as you call out to him. And as you cry out to him for mercy and grace and strength and peace, he will, he will meet you. Because that is what he does and that is who he is. 
By not following this distant, removed Jesus who doesn't care about us or care about our world. He knows how dark the world is. He's not surprised at the darkness. He's not surprised about how difficult it is. He's not surprised at the wars and the oppression and the violence against women. He's not surprised about it. He's not surprised of any of it. But he says, I'm with you. And I will lead you. And I will meet you. And I will bless you. If you call on me, and if you love me, and if you invite me into this space, and that's, that's what we need to keep doing. This is not kind of a game, is it? This is hard stuff. It's hard teaching. But he loves you. He loves me, and he's with us. I'm just going to just pray for the persecuted church. Is that okay? I'm just going to stop now and pray. I'm just going to just pray a prayer. Lord God, I pray for our brothers and sisters who around the world today, right now, are being persecuted because they love and follow you. I pray for every single man and woman and child and teenager who is living under the oppression of of having to keep their their faith secret. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them today where you have promised a blessing in Scripture. I pray that you would bless them today. We hold them up to you, God. You ask for your mercy to be on them, for your miracles of protection and hiddenness. We pray that you, where, there's any, where there's enemies out to get them and expose them, we pray that you would hide them and cover them. That you would pour out your mercy on them. And I pray for us as the church in the West, that you would move us to care that you would move us to care about our brothers and sisters who are part of our family, our global family, as that young man said, to pray and to give and to carry the weight and the burden of those that live under persecution. Help us not to shy away from it, drown it out, but to be awake to what it's like for our brothers and sisters. Amen. I'm going to come into land. Oh, sorry, get a bit worked up about this stuff. I'm not actually. I'm not apologising, but I don't really want to cry in front of all you lot. Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes is really sobering, isn't it? It is. I mean, I've been a Christian a very long time, and I, I'm, I haven't fully grasped it. <laughs> Got to be honest. I'm still grasping the weight of this and what it means for me. And it, it's not like you can just tick it off and say, yeah, I've got that. It will take us a lifetime. Our whole lives will be taken up trying to understand this stuff. But let's try. Let's try. Let's be willing to go to those places of being fully open to God and allowing him to speak into those places in our lives and allowing us to be the people that speak into those places in other people's lives in a loving and a peacemaking, in a gracious and a kind way. Because that's what he's calling us to be. And I want to just pray for those of you right now that might feel like you are being called or maybe you're not being called, you've just found yourself there. You're in the peacemaking position right now. You are standing in the gap between situations or people or relationships and, you're, and it's hard. And it might be a personal relationship. It might be a workplace thing. It could be, and you might feel like God's asking you to do it in the world, for a situation in the world. And I just want to pray for you. Because I feel like the Holy Spirit is so 
really present amongst us this morning. And I want to just bless you and, and, and yeah, equip you with the Spirit of God to keep standing in that gap that is uncomfortable and costly. So if that's you, if that resonates with you, if you feel a little bit, oh, that could be me, I just want to ask you to stand. And it's okay if you don't stand, but if you do stand, I particularly want to pray for you. Thank you for standing. God, I pray, if you, if, you, if you still want to stand, just go for it. But God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who are standing in the gap, who are standing in the middle ground of trying to show love and mercy to the, to the two different sides. And I pray for them that you would equip them in Jesus' name, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would just have a sense of your love and your mercy, that they would be resilient and able to stand in the gap where they are kind of listening and loving both sides, that you would show them how to do that. And God, I pray that you would bless them. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. I pray for each person here that they would know your blessing today, this week, as they stand in the gap, as they mediate and love and listen, and that you'd give them what they need to keep doing that. In Jesus' name, amen.